I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the movie, movie lovers. lovers. Welcome. Hello. To the official podcast of the Gibson Review. In every episode, we kick it off with the weekend review, what movies and TV shows we've been watching since the last episode. Move on to the main event, which is a main topic of discussion or a main review, and then normally have film faves which is our respective list of our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic. The Joy of Movies today will go on without film faves. In this episode, we will have a weekend review segment, and our main event review will be of the United States versus Billie Holiday, which is Lee Daniels' latest film. Oh, first, I have a correction to make. Okay, so in the last episode of The Movie Lovers, we counted down our 12 favorite movies of black cinema, yeah? Yes, uh, I'm curious to see what you're going to correct you. Okay, so you had said that Creed, 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 at first you said Creed was your second favorite movie, uh, then you changed your mind and you realized, oh, Creed 2, I like that more, and that's your favorite. And I had said, you would ask, is that also by Ryan Coogler? And I said, yes. I was wrong. He produced it, but he did <laughs> that same year. He did Black Panther, right? Oh, uh, Black Panther. Okay. So yeah. uh, it still qualified Creed Two. Okay. It was, by, but it was directed by Stephen Capel Jr., who is not a director. Obviously, we're as familiar with, but uh, he definitely met the the qualifications, and he has also done. A movie called The Land before Creed Two, Different Tree. Not not too many uh, movies that we're aware of, honestly. You know, he did a show called The Class. That that's about it. So a lot oh, of short well, films and stuff. I guess we have a new person that we can go check out. Yes, that's apparently, exciting. you know, this was in 2018. He did Creed Two, right? So you're like, oh, what what else is this dude up to? Well, apparently he's tied to a Transformers movie next. So you know. Oh, that could. That could be good. That could be really nice. I know you're worried about the Transformer franchise, yeah. but maybe having this talent will be the way to make things right. You know, to be fair, that is a valid uh, thought process because Bumblebee was the first movie to not have Michael Bay yeah. direct it, and that ended up being actually like better than most of the, if not all the other Transformers movies. So yeah, yeah maybe. Maybe. At any rate, I want to make that correction. Well, and I want to apologize. You might hear our lovely dog, Lady Leia, snoring. She's pretty happy here in my arms, and I'm not going to make her move because I'm a good mama. All right. Let's get into the weekend review. With that, Shanna, you had something that you watched <laughs> recently that you wanted to share a few thoughts on. Yeah, so I got to watch The Penguins of Madagascar, and it's I guess it's either the fourth or fifth film of this franchise because I just discovered that there's, like, baby Madagascar Good out Lord. there. Okay. So I am a fan of Madagascar. I like number one and two the best. I actually prefer number two to number one, if I remember correctly. Hmm. I may have to go back and watch these things, but uh, we'll see. And I had this opportunity to watch The Penguin one, and it was actually pretty decent. The villain was pretty good. Uh, the the storyline was pretty simple, but it had these lovely little moments mm. that were totally relatable. And like the octopus is the villain, 
and he feels wronged by the penguins of the world. He's been moved from zoo to zoo to zoo, and that's because the penguins were the bigger attraction and nobody really wanted to see him. Mm. And so he would get moved around and so, you know, he he seeks revenge. And, you know, he's kind of goofy because he'll have a video conference with, uh, what is it called? The It's something like the North, the North Wild Association or something. It's kind of like secret operatives. Hmm. So that's where the Benedict Cumberbatch wolf character comes in. It's this wolf and polar huh. bear and snow owl and seal. And they're all working together to help animals. Okay. Like penguins who can't take care of themselves but we all know these four penguins can take care of themselves just right fine. yeah and it's really fun seeing the antics that occur between the two groups mm-hmm. and they learn from each other which is lovely i do like learning opportunities and stories so i actually recommend this if you're a fan of madagascar or if you vaguely liked madagascar or if you were one of the people that got to watch the penguin Penguins of Madagascar TV show on Nickelodeon, I think it was. I would say go check this one out because it's it's actually kind of good. One brief question. Mm. Oh, and the, there's no fart or poop jokes, really. So oh, okay, so the penguins of the penguins in the movie Madagascar mm-hmm. were this little bit of comic relief that was kind of peppered throughout the movie. You know, very supporting characters, right? They're not yeah. the main characters. Yeah. Is the Penguins of Madagascar one of those things where sometimes you take they they, they think taking yeah. them uh, 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 the the funny character and making them have their own movie is the right idea, but really you learn that that was just the spice that helped season the rest of the soup. You know, does it yeah. feel like too much? Or do they work on their own? No, I think they work on their own because it's kind of giving their origin story Mm. just like briefly, I think like eight Mm. to 12 minutes in the beginning of the movie, Mm. like how they came together and what, you know, what their intentions were with life. And it's, it's really good. The characters are really sound, you know, and there's a lot of sweet themes that happen between the penguins mm-hmm. and how they're attached in the movie. And I think that they stand alone pretty well. Okay. Uh, because of their, you know, the four of these characters, their relationships with each other. And I would actually say it's better than what they did with Despicable Me. Despicable Me, they oh, the take minions. the minions, yeah. right? Yeah, same idea. Mm-hmm. I, I like the minions. I'm not a, I'm not a crazy minion fan. Yeah. And I'm not an insane penguin fan either, but I prefer what they did with the penguins versus what they did with the minions. Fair enough. All right. So that's the Penguins of Madagascar. Was that on a particular streaming service? Oh, yeah. You can go get this on Netflix. It's really fun. Cool. And that's everything for your week in review, yeah? Yeah. All right. So for my week in review, I, I have two or three things. First of all, of course... I'm continuing my journey through the years of Disney films. The, I mean, I've recently been doing the 50s. The 50s was the decade when Disney kind of really went all out. He leaned into the live action movies, which were probably a little cheaper to create in some cases. Not all cases, but cheaper to create, easier to crank out. And then he continued, um, restarted doing the full feature stories again, animated features. So 
And then also he took all the pro- pro- profits and made Disneyland out of it, right? That's a pretty exciting project. So yeah, the 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 fifties was definitely when Disney, as we know, um, really the studio and everything, the empire really started mm. to come up and rise up. So you can check out on the blog. I've already posted my reviews of the animated movies uh, from the fifties and ranked them. Uh, and I'm right now working on the live action movies of the fifties. The animated movies are interesting because you could see this progression in terms of storytelling, them getting better and better at, at this, uh, at the storytelling part uh, through the course of the decade. And that's really interesting. Now with the live action, you know, there's a lot of adaptations of books, adventure books and stuff. And so I'm, Working my way through. I got about five more left to go before I'm able to pop out that next uh, the next feature. So go to thegibsonreview.com to read about that. Next, I also caught up with a documentary which apparently came out in 2019 called David Crosby, Remember My Name. Now, this is about David Crosby of Crosby, Stills, and Nash or Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, as you like. Which, for those who may not know, they are considered one of the greatest singing groups of all time. Their harmonies are incomparable. And they speak briefly to this in the documentary, how there's maybe like two other groups out there that are on the level of of CSN or CSNY. And the thing is, though, this particular member of the group, David Crosby, He's uh, had a very troubled history with drugs and how that's affected his relationships with uh, Stephen Stills and, oh, I just forgot his first name, uh, Nash. And you have this portrait of this guy who's in his 70s now. He's had he's had so many drugs through his system. He's had a couple OD situations. He's had heart attacks. He's got as many stints as humanly well as possible uh the maximum amount of stints in your heart that you can have mm. right now he also has diabetes and he's in this place in his life where he's like why why am i still alive and all these other people that i've known aren't you that's know a, that's an interesting concept right and also kind of reflecting on his relationships of the past and and you know his being great just absolutely right up against the wall in terms of his mortality and you know to the point where he knows that like he's still touring by the way he's he's trying to create solo albums trying to do his own thing because singing is all he's got that he can contribute to the world right that's that's something that's very important to him but he knows that it's very possible when he leaves his wife behind to go tour that might be their last goodbye Mm-hmm. And it talks about how he has to reconcile with that and how she, his wife, has to reconcile with that. It's very fascinating. It's great stuff. It's moving. It's very poignant. And it's a very uh, interesting look at a musician. If you at all are interested in rock docs, I definitely recommend checking out David Crosby, Remember My Name. 
Lastly, I checked out a movie. I rewatched a movie that I've been kind of wanting to take another look at for the past couple years from, I think, 1992, if I'm not mistaken. Needful Things, an adaptation of Stephen King's novel about a man who opens up an antique shop in Castle Rock. Of course, Castle Rock is the small town that appears in many of Stephen King's stories. He opens up a shop in this town and he happens to have just the right thing that you want. And the thing is, you might not be able to afford that one thing, but I'm sure he has a deed, a trick perhaps, that you can fulfill that will help pay off your debt to be able to have this thing that's important to you. Uh, it stars Ed Harris, Max von Sydow, Bonnie Bedelia from Die Hard, Amanda Plummer, and a couple, uh, a handful of other character actors are in it. And I remember really liking it when I was 12 or whatever age I was when I saw it. Mm. I remember being very surprised a couple years back when I saw the Rotten Tomato score for this was like 29%. <laughs> and like, really? I don't remember it being that bad. Uh, this movie is not that great. It really isn't. There's a lot of logic issues, a lot of lapses in logic here throughout the movie. These people are willing to jump to huge conclusions very easily and readily about who might be doing XYZ thing to them. And uh, really, really fast at escalating things. I've never read the book. I get the idea that there is a kernel of something here, uh, a very good idea here. I'm not really sure how the book handles the logistics of it. You know, just common sense and stuff. I mean, you would think it handled it better for it to be a bestseller, but this movie does not. So it's kind of a bummer. Kind of add it to the heap of bad Stephen King adaptations, unfortunately. It seems to be like there's a small, finite number of really solid adaptations of Stephen King movies. Uh, but this is not one of them. So, you know, and honey, for you, this is not a movie for you because there is a dog, a dog. And it's not just that something happens to the dog. It's that something horribly traumatic happens that this this goes beyond like taking revenge on somebody you're like traumatizing this person for life it's really really awful and it it, it yeah it's hard to come back from so yeah I, I don't recommend yeah you feel you feel good about watching that movie i don't recommend it yeah yeah, yeah. i really don't i'm glad <laughs> i i revisited it after well now you know why the score is the way it is yeah 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 it's 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 fairly valid anyway so that's my week in review we have one more movie to talk about for our week in review. And we caught up with the other new release from this past weekend. Warner Media released Tom and Jerry on to HBO Max. I didn't see it playing in theaters. Um, it's supposed to be, but I didn't see it listed in any of the theaters nearby. This is, of course, trying to revitalize, bring back the Hanna-Barbera cat and mouse duo that is, of course, full of zaniest, slapstickiest of physical comedy and pratfalls. Shannon, you were really looking forward to this. In fact, you were like, what? yes, yes, you were the one that was like, are we watching Tom and Jerry? I'm turning it on right now. <laughs> so... What did you think? You tell us a little bit about your background with the characters and 
And did this measure up to your expectations of a Tom and Jerry revive? Okay, so we all, I think most of us know that the creation of Cartoon Network was because this particular, I can't remember the person's name, but they got all the rights to the Hanna-Barbera stuff. Was that Turner? Was it Ted Turner? Did he own Cartoon Network? Maybe. Um, And then he needed somewhere to put all of these cartoons, all these characters. Mm -hmm. And so he put them onto Cartoon Network. So when Cartoon Network came to South Africa on satellite TV, I think I was seven or eight. And I got to watch Tom and Jerry all the time. I mean, they they would let it run for six hours. It is Ted Turner, by the way. He created Cartoon Network. Okay. And, you know, I have favorite episodes. I think my favorite episode is probably the one where they, there's there's no way this is what would happen. But that's the fun of it, right? They're in a basement and Jerry and the baby mouse, they flood the basement with water and then they unhook something on a fridge or a freezer uh-huh. and they stick it into the water. Mm-hmm. This is an electrical thing, I'm pretty okay. sure. And they stick it into the water and then it turns to ice. So now they ice skate around the basement. Uh-huh. You know, so I, I've always liked that level of shenanigans where you're doing something impossible in a home. Yeah. And I've always liked seeing how Jerry uses everyday items to furnish his home. <laughs> right. You know, that's yeah. always been cute. I've always liked how Jerry, uh, how Tom screams. You know, he has this oh. particular scream shout type thing. Uh-huh. But I guess I also forgot how violent it is. <laughs> and it is at times racist as well, unfortunately. Oh, the old shorts so, are? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So you have to, we have to acknowledge that. Mm. Anyway, so seeing Tom and Jerry, I'm a big sucker for live action layered with animation. And so it looked pretty well lit and looked really well executed. So I saw it was on HBO, was going to watch Major Crimes, but was like, okay, we're doing this. And I didn't have any expectations of the film because I think that that's the best way to go in when something from your childhood is trying to get revitalized or whatever. Reheated, rebooted, revived. (laughs) Stick that in the microwave. Whatever, yeah. (laughs) So I didn't have any expectations. I liked what they did. I like how they built the world. Essentially, they take all the animals and all the animals are animated from a goldfish to the main characters Mm -hmm. to elephants. So it's, it's really great. There are no live action animals. The animals in this world are animated. Yeah. And what was nice about this film is they incorporated a lot of characters from the show. You know, they have the bad cats, they the alley cats, they have Tom and Jerry, of course, they have Spike, they have the... The bulldog, yeah. Yeah, and they have the cat that Tom is always into, the one that's white, that has a purple bow, but I think sometimes she has a black bow as well, if I remember correctly. And I I really like that. Mm. And they even, you know, throw another character in there that I won't spoil, but he has a banner and, I'm sorry, a billboard. And then you see him as well. And that was kind of cute and a little weird, Mm -hmm. you know. So kind of makes me think of Scooby-Doo, Scoob. Like, okay, so Scoob was last year. Tom and Jerry is this year. I don't know what the future holds, but... It's nice that they're trying to get it going and they did seem pretty faithful to the characters and the concepts because Okay. Jerry is sitting on a pillow with a bottle of champagne. 
you know, and going for it. Mm. And in a hotel, a in really a hotel, fine, really five fancy, star hotel, yes, fancy yeah. place. And then they're fighting over the champagne, and then they didn't hold back on the violence, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I was like, oh shit, that's actually really. I can't show any young kid this actually. <laughs> so. Well, okay. What age would you say that this is an appropriate? movie for for a child to enjoy what what age do you think is an enjoyable age for this i think maturity comes into play and the ability to know story from okay uh like hey this exists only here uh-huh. like we don't go and hit the cat with a shovel or whatever okay so you know? maybe not a toddler no that's okay i'd probably do like nine or ten okay all right you know? all right fair enough anything else you want to say about it no i think it's a fine film I, i'd maybe give it a five I do not think it's a fine film. I here's here's what I'll say. I I, I appreciate it. First of all, this is from the guy who brought you Fantastic Four and Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer, and maybe even Taxi with Jimmy Fallon, if I'm not mistaken, and Queen Latifah. This guy does not have a great history. Yeah, Tim's story. This is the kind of movie that starts off with hip hopping pigeons flying and singing to you. But here's here's what I like. First of all, there is a creative choice made here mm-hmm. by having all the animals in this world be animated. Yeah. And I appreciate that there is a creative choice being made because it gets around this whole issue of everything else is live action except Tom and Jerry, yet nobody like nobody reacts to the kinds of things that Jerry can do, right? No or not Jerry, but um Tom can do. Like no one's ever like hey, how come that cat is able to pantomime? Or how come that cat is able to play a piano? No, like these are established as kind of the normal baseline ground rules in this world. If anything, it's impressive that the cat might be blind and can play piano, you know? Yeah. But (laughs) I appreciate that. And, And you're right. It is true to what Tom and Jerry was in many ways. I do remember Tom being owned by somebody and most of the antics happening inside this home. But that yeah. is not the case here at all. No, they're... They're at a hotel and, and the plot revolves around this hotel. So here's the thing. You have Jerry's story. You have Tom's story. You have Chloe Moretz's story of conning her way into getting this job at a a hotel and then you have like kind of a a michael pena story someone who worked at the works at the hotel i don't care about any of them any of these stories whatsoever Mm. sometimes you get more of the chloe story than tom and jerry but at the same time, Tom and Jerry, like, this, their shtick is they're chasing after each other and, and constantly having, like, things fall on Tom's head or whatever, right? So it's like, how do you stretch that out to a hundred minutes? <laughs> this movie is a hundred minutes it, long. Yeah, it probably didn't really need to be that long. No. And um, it feels... Like two hours. (laughs) So I do not, I do not like this movie, Sam. I am. I do not like it. (laughs) Okay. Um, at all. It's not unwatchable. I will give you that. It's not an unwatchable movie. 
it's just not good. Uh, so I give it a full, a full. Wow. <laughs> you want to give it a three? No, I give it a four out of ten. Okay. I give it a four out of ten. I think they could have done a. Uh, they could have done better. Yeah, I think Penguins of Madagascar is better than Tom and Jerry. Okay. Um, I can't speak to that. I, I feel like you would have an easier viewing time with Penguins of Madagascar. Fair enough. So that concludes our week in review. What do you think about those things that we've talked about? Feel free to let us know at the Gibson Review at gmail.com. Let's time now to move on to the main event, which is our review of the United States versus Billie Holiday. Don't you know who this is? She was thinking of something more special. I'm downright flashy, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Billie Holiday. Reporters keep asking me, Billie, why you do the things you do? This is what I tell them. Love you. Why not take off? NAACP says Billie Holiday is the voice of our people. I think we should integrate the audience for this show. Let's change it up a little bit. You know, blacks and whites sitting together. You know what you're getting yourself into when you decide to come on the road. Get out my goddamn clothes. I'm gonna take everything except your bra and your man. <laughs> Which one of my songs is your favorite song? Strange Fruit. Yeah, it's a song about important things, you know things that are going on in the country. This holiday woman's causing a lot of people to think the wrong things. It's a starting gun for this so-called civil rights movement. Those lyrics provoke people. Y'all got a plan? She's a drug addict. Exactly. I cut strange fruit. I want to sing the damn song. It's for your own good, okay? I sing it the fuck I want. that stage fruit. they won't let me sing nowhere no clubs no money no nothing you gotta understand baby right now i'm in a situation would you say we could beat this billy i need some now blood on the leaves you're like a hammer come right back and it hit harder than before He's singing it for all of us. Ain't no other Negro star bold enough to do it. Black body swinging. I'm being followed. I'm not gonna count in no fizz. In the southern breeze. She's made something of herself and you can't take it because she's strong, beautiful, and black. Strange fruit hanging from the you think I'm gonna stop singing that song? Your grandkids will be singing Strange Fruit. And that was from the trailer to the United States versus Billy Holiday, which. It's available on Hulu. According to IMDb, this story follows Holiday during her career as she is targeted by the Federal Department of Narcotics with an undercover sting operation led by black federal agent Jimmy Fletcher, with whom she had a tumultuous affair. 
is directed by Lee Daniels. It is based on a book called Chasing the Scream by Johan Hari. And it is uh, written by Suzanne Laurie Parks. It stars Andra Day as Billie Holiday, Travante Rhodes, Garrett Hedlund, and Natasha Leon, among others. When we typically review a movie, we like to first focus on the good, what we liked about a film, what worked for us, what, what was the strengths of a film, before moving on to the bad, what sucked about a movie, what were the flaws, what held the movie back from greatness. And then we typically have a, we, we weigh whether or not the good outweighs the bad, and then we have a spoiler discussion when necessary and final thoughts. In this case, Shanna, we talked about it ahead of time. Much like Judas and the Black Messiah, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, we decided we do not need a spoiler discussion on this. I think that was with Nomadland, no, actually. No, oh, okay. Oh, and Black Messiah probably too. Yeah. Right. Is yeah, that so the case too deal. here? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. All right. So we'll have a very general spoiler-free discussion here. Shanna, I'm going to throw it to you, as I often do, with the following questions. First, how familiar are you with Billie Holiday? And, uh, you know, what was the groundwork for you going into this film? And uh, what was good about United States versus Billie Holiday? I know nothing about Billie Holiday. I, I hear the name, but I wasn't able to link her to anything um i've probably heard one or two of her songs so that's great let's go into the film i love the film i thought the film was shot beautifully i thought the performances were great the casting choices were really perfect in my opinion um i really loved watching everyone i really hope that andra day gets more work i hope that she wants to do more work like this because I think she's a great performer, a great actress, a great singer. I think she's fantastic. Here we've got this character, this performer, this singer that makes beautiful lyrics about very serious things that need our attention. Mm-hmm. And you're haunted by it. It's so effective. She's singing about lynching mm-hmm. and her voice is beautiful and you listen and you're like, Hey, this is, this is a problem. This is not okay, Mm -hmm. obviously. And now I want to know what I can do about it. And so this song that she was creating and performing had the ability, the power to change something, but it was squashed by these white bureaucratic assholes for lack of a better term look Mm. i know i'm being really immature in my phrasing but maybe that's what is deserved that's fair okay and so constantly being silenced and manipulated and mistreated by these people of the fbi the narcotics section just really awful treatment to till the day she died but we go beyond that as well we also see her you know, her dealing with her mother was a prostitute and she lived in that brothel in her teens, uh, obviously, and before that, and had to work in the brothel for a while. And we see her witnessing a lynching. We see her or the result of it. The sequence that occurs when she is witnessing the aftermath of a lynching is one of the most 
beautifully shot segments because it really, you know, not only are we seeing her be emotionally destroyed by this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't hear her. Uh-huh. She is made silent. We yeah. can see what she's feeling yeah. and and feel it, but it's this it's hard to explain. But it's like a long shot, it's right? It's a long shot and they're yeah. doing interesting things in interiors and exteriors and the camera movements are are complementing the absolute mayhem and craziness you must be feeling yeah. after witnessing something so horrific and 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 then for her to be gracefully guided onto the stage to perform that song yeah was amazing yeah. i thought that was you know everything they lay up all these little steps in the film prior to that scene and and after that scene and it all kind of leads to this moment and makes me remember this moment in particular like you know people ask her what why do you do it then if this song gets you into trouble why are you doing it and you just think about that and you can see why she needs to fight with her power of her voice and it's beautiful that she has that bravery but it's also ridiculous that she should need to feel brave enough to sing that song in America, where people talk so highly of freedom of speech. Anything else you liked about the movie? Yeah, I mean, the, the whole cinematography approach with this film was interesting. Most of the time it was shot for normal. You know, there were it was just normal camera movements, normal aperture settings, blah, blah, blah. But here and there, they had these sort of quick cuts and kind of like oh if you're a rock star if you're famous you know we're gonna have a couple snaps over here and we're gonna have a quick a couple quick shots here and we're gonna switch from color to black and white or color to sepia or or whatever and so it kind of had this like rock star feel to it but of that time the cinematographer is andrew dunn who has done such work as Bridget Jones's Baby, Keeping Up with the Joneses, Lee Daniels' But the Butler, Crazy Stupid Love. I'm going backwards through time here. Miss Potter, Hot Rod, Precious. So he's worked with uh, Lee Daniels on, on almost every single film he's ever done. He he was the C, the DOP on Practical Magic, and Ever After. He goes back all oh, the way to great. the 80s, really. Okay. Done a lot of TV work and a lot of movie work. This might be his best work. Uh, I haven't seen everything over there, but what I have seen, I love this the most for sure. Mm. It's beautiful. It, it really drives the story. It says things that don't need to be said just by being cinematography techniques. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else you have to say? Well, let's find out what you have to say, and I'll see if I forgot anything. Uh, by the way, this is nominated for two Golden Globes, which is airing the day after this recording, two days prior to you listening to this. It's nominated for Best uh, Dramatic Performance, Andra Day, and Best Original Song. I didn't notice an original song in this movie because I heard just, you know, Billy Holiday songs. Well, what is it called, the original song? Tigress and Tweed. But I don't know what that's about. I did like the the soundtrack. The instrumental music was just stunning. Billy Holiday stuff was awesome as well, of course, but You're talking about the score? You the like score. the score? I love the score stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So what did I like about this movie? First of all, I was delightfully surprised to see Leslie Jordan again. Uh, this is a guy who I have seen since he was like 35, 40 years old in such things as like, I know he was in an episode of Night Court, a TV show in the 80s. He was in a silly movie called Snow or Ski Patrol. But like since then, he was in the last Friday, Friday the 13th, part six. What? Okay. And, and, <laughs> and he's done just so many, so much TV stuff. He was in a show called Hearts of Fire with Marky Post and, and so many things. So he's a guy that kind of pops up every once in a while, but I haven't seen him pop up much in recent years. And so seeing him again is, is a delight for me. Andra Day is extraordinary. This is her first leading role. I don't even think she's had necessarily had a supporting role before. Uh, and in fact, Lee Daniels was given pause because he wasn't sure that she had enough experience until she heard, he heard a recording of her. Look, I don't know enough about the production to know if she's lip syncing to Billie Holiday or if she's that good of a a mimic that she's able to recreate Billie Holiday's singing voice. But the way she talks and everything, she is extraordinary. She really, really is like giving it her all here seeing seizing this opportunity with this film anything that you could say about this movie there's nothing negative you could say about her in any way and there's scenes every once in a while like there's a scene with a bellboy where billy is trying to get on an elevator with a friend played by natasha leone and the rules of the establishment they are at is well segregation Black people can't be in the same elevator as white people, and black people have to take a service elevator, if anything. And just the just in the indignity that Billie Holiday is being faced with, but also the bellboy saying, like, A, I have to enforce this because I don't want to lose my job, but also, B, black people are getting killed for less than this. So, like, please don't yeah. cause a fuss. This, this bit part player... <laughs> plays this scene so well i want him to get more work too (laughs) where you see his side of things and empathize with him Mm -hmm. this guy who has like a two-minute scene as much as you're able to empathize with billy holiday that's really a strong scene i like that they came back to him after billy had left because she decided there's a shot you're talking about a shot there's a shot that comes back to him and you can just see that he didn't want to do that, yeah. but that he had to. And you see him like regretting and feeling this, this tearing within himself. And lastly, uh, there, there's similarly a, an arrest scene. Uh, spoilers for real life. She ha- gets busted from time to time for ha- being in possession of, of narcotics. Uh, there is a particular scene where she's busted by the FBI and she feels betrayed by a particular character. And the way she plays that scene, it's it, it could have been so melodramatic, but she plays it with this rawness 
that literally strips her bare and yeah. and and has a a strength behind it and a defiance behind it that is uh, a highlight in the in the film so that that's what that's what I will say is the good about this film Shannon, was there anything that you thought was the bad? What didn't work for you about the United States versus Billie Holiday? No, I mean, like, I always get upset when there's a misogynistic, abusive husband. But that's just personal, you know? Yeah. Like, that's a personal peeve. But I thought everything was weaved together really well. I loved all the characters. I loved each character that was somehow connected to Billie Holiday in this film was... You saw them be loved, but you also saw them get hurt uh-huh. by Billy uh-huh. for for whatever motivation, whether it was going and being with this abusive asshole or whether it was the drugs. Uh-huh. And you see how much they love her, how much they are her family. Yeah. And I loved that. Yeah. You know, it's like you mentioned the bellhop uh, character. It's about Billie Holiday, but all these other characters who may or may not have had much screen time, what screen time they do have mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Okay. All right. That's not necessarily something that's bad about the movie. Yeah, I actually forgot about your question. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is there anything? I don't, think, I don't think I can think of anything bad, really. Mm-hmm. This will be a film I'll come back to again and again because oh. I think that there's... There's a lot of layers to it and a lot of things to be seen and interpreted and experienced. Well, okay. All right. Was there anything that you thought didn't work well? Well, Shanna, I don't know if you know, but the song Strange Fruit is about lynching. The song Strange Fruit is about lynching. Did you know that the song Strange Fruit, it's about lynching? If you say that again, I'm going to smack you. That's how I felt watching this movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't feel that way. Like oh my I, God. I wasn't bothered by it. Uh, really? In that I didn't. F- I wasn't bothered that they were driving the point home, because how they begin the movie is, hey, lynching. They tried to abolish lynching. Oh yeah. And it didn't work oh, in like yeah. nineteen. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 1936, okay. I think. And then they yeah. end the movie with, we brought it to the Senate again. Yeah. And it still has a, the ban on lynching has still not been passed. Man, the subtlety is just right there. Well, it's obviously an issue, Jeff. <laughs> um, I, I don't so here's understand. The thing. Here's the thing. This movie bludgeons that point in your head <laughs> so much. Lee Daniels. He made a mark when he made Precious, uh, which is now like almost 12 years old, which is crazy. Uh, Precious was a very um, heavy, hard-hitting, but somehow very well-made film that looked at a lot of issues about of, of that this young black woman was facing. Lee Daniels is anything but a subtle filmmaker. I don't. I. I feel like Precious is not a subtle film, and I feel like he has been hitting these notes on this piano as hard as he can in every film he's made since. He is a filmmaker that works with a sledgehammer when 
I don't know, something smaller would do. Okay. This is so apparent throughout this this movie. There's even a scene when Anita, when Billy Holiday gets thrown into prison, and you. She's getting showered and stuff. You literally hear somebody say, you ain't Billie Holiday in here. And it's like, could you be more like obvious with your point? And, and you know, it's like every single thing is stated so obtusely. There's no subtlety in this movie whatsoever. It's a fascinating. Also, it has this interesting like story of an FBI agent or someone who works for the FBI and a, a well-known person. And it's an interesting contrast to Judas and the Black Messiah, both in, in terms of mm. structure and what works and what doesn't work. Mm. Because I, I feel like... Judas and the Black Messiah, there's some criticism out there that's fair, but I feel like that movie worked a lot better than this film. Some people criticize Judas and the Black Messiah by not for not focusing on uh, Freddy. Uh, I forget his last name. Uh, Freddy of uh, the Black Panther movement, mm-hmm. right? And focusing more on this person who was helping the FBI. Uh, this movie focuses, does exactly what people criticize Judas and the Black Messiah for not doing, and it doesn't do it well. So, uh, in the sense that it's it's following Billy Holiday, it's about Billy Holiday for the most part, and this person who works for the FBI is a supporting character that becomes involved. I actually feel like maybe the way to do this is to actually have focused on the FBI character as the entry point into Billie Holiday and that that sort of structure and, and framing the film that way may have been more interesting and more powerful uh, than what we get here. Because what we do get here is something that's sometimes very uh, hits a lot of tropes that we see in biopics sometimes overwrought and and is just a really hard 130 minutes to get through Mm. that's the other thing it's 130 minutes and it was a it was a tough go for me and then it's even oh and and it has this trope of this retrospective framing device of the biopic of tell me about your life back then and we go back well, let me let's go back to 1937. And it's just, oh, oh boy, this is the kind of movie we're going into. It's it's so, oh, man, it's it's not good. Okay, but, so so what I got from that yeah. is that you, you didn't like the approach that they took with this biopic. That's one of the things, yes. It's a little tropey in yes. the manner in which they deal with the biopic genre sure yeah that's one of the things yes okay yes um the and format was an issue for you that's one of them yes and okay. um the, the so the writing the structure of it the absolute lack of subtlety that that exudes this film throughout yes and also you spoke about how you appreciated the the cinematography and editing techniques where all of a sudden, it'll go into. I don't know if it was eight millimeter, sixteen millimeter, or what. It's it almost was. as if they were like putting in real footage of Billie Holiday, but I don't think it was. Yeah. It might have been no, here it and wasn't. there. 
because they credit Billie Holiday on IMDb. So I like I don't know. Which is weird because I never saw the real Billie Holiday in this. I only saw Andrew Day's performance of Billie Holiday, but some it works as a transitional thing sometimes. And I use the word it, the phrase it works very loosely, but that's the the, the it, I found it to be an odd inconsistent choice and i didn't get what we were going for here and it happens like i want to say three or four times throughout the 130 minute runtime but it just it felt unusual and it didn't necessarily add anything except trying to do something and and just kind of going nowhere with it i I, i'm glad that that worked for you but that did not at all it felt odd to me more than anything else. And there's a lot, like I looked up Billie Holiday's life and there's a lot in this movie that isn't mentioned in what I read, but also there's a lot that I read that is not at all mentioned in this movie. And it kind of like, it gives you the impression, for example, that her mom was in a brothel like throughout her childhood and that's what she was raised in and that wasn't actually the case and okay you know that's that was the case in her pre-teens or you know early teens around but there and um and then that's when an attempted rape uh, uh occurred to her and and it, it speaks to how she was raped and there's 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 a lot of like i'm sorry you said attempted was she raped or was she not Apparently someone was caught, like a neighbor of who she was staying with was caught attempting to rape her. And he was scared off. But was she raped by this person previously? That's not what I, that's not what I read. Okay. But, I just want to be very careful with the word attempted. Right. I've never, I've never read her, her biography, her autobiography, Lady Sings the Blues. So, you know, take, take that how you will. But... Uh, and that's not even like the most significant thing. There's a lot of stuff throughout her career that's not really touched on. This is really myopically focused on strange fruit and the FBI. And to the point of the FBI, I couldn't even believe that Garrett Hedlund was cast as the guy who is in charge of her investigation. Garrett Hedlund, not a guy that I'm a huge fan of. And there is no nuance to this character whatsoever. But Garrett Henlon's in his 30s, maybe? And this dude, he was, at the time that this movie takes place, he was actually 55 to 65 years old. Okay, so like, oh, and he retired a few years after this movie takes place. And, and you get like this thin mustachioed oh garrett hedlin in here who's like maybe 35 or something (laughs) and it's just like why did you cast him and it's not even that he brings a lot to the role anyway it's like what are we doing yeah um i'll push back a little bit there like we we don't know these people we don't know if they were nuanced type people they could have been completely blatantly bigoted bigot racist fuckholes up front and there's nothing i don't think there's anything wrong with depicting that um especially if it might have been the case Mm. like i don't know maybe it was the case maybe it wasn't i don't have enough information but i'm okay with there not being a nuance when it's the bad guy it sure as hell doesn't make me care much okay like about the villain about the situation when you have no understanding outside of 
I hate black people. Oh, um, uh, put in forth, uh, put forth, and especially when it's shown that he has a wife who enjoys Billie Holiday. What is that like when you're introducing that dynamic? What does that dynamic look like? What does that look like with him in his um personal life? Like, what is motive? Is it just a job for him? What is going on here? What is driving him? And Garrett Headland, his he just does not have the skills to even suggest with a facial tick, like anything going on with this dude outside of just absolute blind determination. Okay. So, uh, just to clarify, <laughs> um, cause I'm just, I'm just making sure I understand here. Like, okay. I, I mean, do you, do you need there to be a reason for the white man to have a reason to hate the black man? Like, do you, do you really need that? I mean, p- some people just hate. You uh-huh, know, uh-huh. like I get where you're coming from when it's with regards to, hey, this story needs this. Yeah. But I don't think it. I, I like, OK, so you're saying it needs that? I'm saying, well, first of all, what I was bringing up was this okay. age disparity in the casting. Sure. Fine. From um, who this guy actually was. Sure. Separate to that. To um, what we see. And maybe, maybe there's actually be that's just the tip of the iceberg uh-huh. of of how this person is translated poorly okay. on screen. Okay. Okay. I okay. don't know anything about this guy. I never even heard of this guy prior to this movie, but I am given nothing by what is on the screen. It's not, it's not really about a story about why, why this story is about how a black woman singing essentially a protest song, what her life has been. Uh-huh. And, other black people around her with different fields of work, etc. what their experiences have been. I don't need to know about why the white man hates black people. The movie is literally called The United States versus Billie Holiday. The driving okay. force of the plot is okay. this FBI investigation so, of Billie Holiday. So you want they're a reason for hate. They're literally asked, uh-huh. why do we care so much? And we're not given much in response. Okay, fine. This is kind of exhausting for me, so I'm kind of I'm tapping out. <laughs> Fair actually. enough. Fair enough. Um, I know you have good intentions. I know you're like, we need more of this. We need more of spice A, B, and C in order to have a fuller film that lasts forever. Look, this is no straight out of Compton. This is no mm-hmm. uh, Boys in the Hood, where it's like it's gonna it's taking this capsule of time and really educating us and having full characters, full stories, motives that make sense, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. I, you mean I, better films? It's I not guess, a better film. I guess what I see, I see what you're doing. Uh-huh. United States versus Billy Holiday, the best part of it, I think, is I think is the cinematography and the fantastic performances and the casting. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, after talking with you, the story could have used a little more tweaking. Motivations could have used more tweaking. If you're going to say United States versus Billie Holiday, well, what does the United States consist of? And obviously in this case, it's bureaucratic nonsense. But okay, what else of that? So, okay, got it. Okay, but this is a movie that you said you would return to. So does the good outweigh the bad for you? I think the good does outweigh the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one of those great intros into Billie Holiday. I think it's a good intro into here's this piece of black history and black experience that you might not have been exposed to otherwise. Mm -hmm. 
And and that's that's probably it for me. I think the good outweighs the bad. What do you score it out of ten? Uh, probably a seven. Okay. What about you? I think a great performance, perhaps one of the best performances we're going to see in 2021, is utterly wasted in a shit movie. I give this movie a three out of ten. It is a real tough slog. I do not recommend it. By all accounts, if you want to see a slightly better rendition of Billie Holiday, check out Diana Ross in Lady Scenes the Blues. I haven't seen that, but it is got a slightly better reputation than this one. Hopefully, with good reason, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt because this is, is, is a tough, tough slog. And Lee Daniels... He has some work to do to to be a a, uh, a director of nuance and of substance and of subtlety. And a long way to go. So that's my take on the United States versus Billy Holiday. That's Shanna's take. Obviously, we have differing viewpoints. I'm sitting here holding on to my lips with my teeth. I'm like, <laughs> I think we need to move on before like a, we, we like start a fight here or something. And, and we shall. Yeah, here would we you, go. Would... Now we're moving on. Why don't you guys let us know what you thought about this movie and help educate us or, or Jeff, rather. And <laughs> 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 what, 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 what are we missing? We are completely open to hearing your opinions. Hearing. Your opinions, not necessarily fighting back or pushing back necessarily. Go ahead and fight back, push back. I'm, I'm okay with I'm that. saying you won't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm setting up the expectation that you will hear people out. All right. Yeah, Jeff, you can take it from here now at this Email point. us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. That is going to do it for this episode of The Movie Lovers. Shanna, share Where with There's not much loving happening yet. <laughs> <laughs> I like. Here's the thing. I I don't think I'm going to to do another movie review with you in the style of oh we're only going to talk about it on the podcast. Oh come on! No no no! Come this on. is a dangerous game oh. because I thought you were having a good time. I thought you were with it. I thought you liked the cinematography. Turns out I don't know my husband. This <laughs> is <laughs> like the expressions that I was seeing was like. Oh, that's interesting. What an interesting move. Yes, yes. A little bit like MTV. Yes, yes. Very good. Yes. Taking it back a few days. <laughs> I very did not nice say choice. that. But <laughs> that's what I thought your expression said. And obviously I know shit. So. <laughs> oh, it was. Well, that's a choice. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know if we're going to review like this again. Oh. It's very dangerous ground. It's so much fun. <laughs> Share with people where they can find you online. You can find me politely at Shanna underscore uh, Paxton underscore photography on Instagram. Uh, reach out. Tell me what you thought about the film, how you liked it, how you thought the cinematography choices were a good one. Um, or a bad one. Feel free. No, no, uh, no. Be honest. <laughs> and then on Flickchart, you can find me at Spellbinding A. Where can people find you to let them so that they can let you know about your misunderstanding well, of the cinematography? Like I said, <laughs> the Gibson Review at gmail.com. Go to the main website, thegibsonreview.com to find all features, reviews, past episodes of the movie lovers, and so much more on there. Follow on Facebook.com slash The Gibson Review or on Instagram, The Gibson 99. We have polls on Instagram there. Actually, we've had a couple polls, I think at least one since the last episode. We had your favorite 
movies of black cinema. And that just ended. And holy cow, Shanna, we've never had this before. We had a tie. We had a tie for the final round between Jordan Peele's Get Out and Spike Lee's Black Klansman. That's how that poll ended up. I have to say, it's really fantastic when Jeff is pacing around and like, when's the voting going to end? Like, who's going to take this out of the tie? It's great because it lets me do what I need to do in peace while he sits and paces or mentally paces around the, the, the living room trying to wait for someone to break the tie. Thanks, guys. <laughs> if we could do that for next time again, too, it'll give me a few minutes to do what I need to do. So go there and check in on the Instagram story. Pretty soon, actually, I'm going to be a part of a month-long thing to help celebrate International Women's Day. And and uh, I think it's a month-long uh, celebration thing. It is... It is the Choose to Challenge Cinema, a virtual event celebrating women's achievements while choosing to challenge inequality, gender bias, and inequity with a specific focus on the film industry. There's going to be 38 different accounts. It's a 50-50 gender split. Each account is going to, there's going to be one post from each account throughout the month. You can follow using the hashtag Choose to Challenge Cinema. Uh, you can also go to missnscene.co.uk that's www.missenscene.co.uk to learn more about this i'm going to be taking a part in it i think in the first thursday so if i'm not mistaken a few days after this podcast airs i should have my post i'm going to be focusing on elizabeth taylor so feel free to check that out again on Instagram. Shannon, next time on The Movie Lovers, we are actually in the middle of prepping for the next episode because it's going to be all about dragons oh. with Disney's or Disney Plus's yeah. Raya and the Last Dragon as our main event review and film faves. Guess what, guys? Film phase will be our favorite dragon movies. So movies in which dragons feature an important role in the plot, not just a scene or two. Maybe it's a main character, what have you. Dragon movies, that'll be our film phase segment. Look for that episode on Tuesday, March 16th. In the meantime, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.